Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, a podcast happening on a Monday, largely because all of our social media is down and we had nothing better to do. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And it, I feel, as I said to the guys, I think uh, hackers or possibly China has decided we should no longer have a Facebook page. Um, so I won't be updating that anymore, guys, if you're listening. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're just we're just going to stick with good old American Twitter. Um, and that's what we're going to do. But uh, side, we don't want a personal Facebook page either, any of us, because it's just going to be co-opted by the government, you know, Chinese government any day now. Yeah, it's um, it's it's hard out here for a social media kid. Um, what it's not hard for to be. Wow. Words to talk with. Yeah, much. You, you interrupted hard. your own hustle and flow there. I did. Um, what's. The Bills won very easily. I think I'm just going to say it. Um, yeah, they they um, they won 40 to nothing um, in in a game that, as awesome as it was to to root for, is that it, this is a, this is the forgettable 40 to nothing game in a way. I think one of us had spent maybe it was Paul talked about. Is there a point at which like blowouts might start bleeding together? I, did that happen for like Patriots fans? You know, and and this might be a game where like in three or four years it'll be on the same Bills headlines, and Paul will be like, you know, remember we like crushed the Texans, and and some, and then we'll like vaguely remember that it was the most massive shutout the Bills had in 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 many many years. Um, and gosh, if if this game wasn't just you know front to back, outside of the first two throws of Josh Allen. The rest of the game was an absolute domination, uh, top to bottom, and and I I have rarely seen that, even even being a Bills fan trying to think about experiencing it from the other side. Th- this is pretty, this is pretty um, brutal, and uh, so you know. But we're here to gloat over the corpse, and nobody gloats over a corpse quite as well as Scott does. So I'm going to let him start. Let me talk about red zone offense. We really need to do a lot better on red zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you laugh. This is the calls all day in W. There was like literally a litany of people that had to find some reason to be mad about forty to nothing. And I, I don't know. But please, I'm not interrupting now. Go ahead. Go for it. No, 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 no. It's uh, you know, yeah. I mean, um, I yeah. It's it, it was a pretty close to a complete performance. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's you, that's the thing. Like perfection in football is not, you know. Uh, is can be defined many ways all right like it does not it like if your bar is they completed every pass for a touchdown or ran the ball every time for a touchdown then you're even then not being correct because then you didn't score on the kickoff return that was from the ensuing kickoff right so and you didn't you know maybe you should have turned them over literally you should have executed a perfect onside kick and they never even had a chance to to get the ball so like Perfection and why is, returning is, kickoff so much unless your defense is getting safeties every play? And if they're getting safeties every play, how are they getting them if they're just returning kickoffs for tight? I mean, so much, so many things. Exactly. Why are you shooting onside kicks to perfection? I mean, you should just be onside kicking it every time and recovering. So exactly. So we're not operating in the like this is a good this is a good wacky schedule discussion for for next year. But the the question of of like in terms of like could you be more perfect in a game? I don't really. I mean, it sure you could have different versions of perfection. This was the most perfect that you could play 
without um, without some uh, you know without scoring a touchdown on every drive. Basically, I mean, I think the, yeah. the Bills never really were were in doubt in this game. I think the I think early on that first yeah maybe the first five minutes. I mean, yeah, I guess short of scoring on the opening drive and scoring a touchdown on every one of the red zone possessions, like those are the really the only two things. And if those it's are the, not like a, a wicked sudden rain at the beginning of the game, it, it, I don't like, maybe he doesn't throw a pick, but I don't know that they, they win by better than 40 to nothing. Right. Scott. Like, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and yeah, obviously they put the backups in at some point and then the Texans started getting more yards. So it's like, what are we trying to achieve? The Bills did what everything that they needed to achieve to in this game, for the most part, other than people getting injured. Obviously, Milano getting injured is a big story, which is, you know, a bit of winning the battle but losing the war there if Milano's out for any real serious period of time. Um, and right. I don't think we're going to know anything about that until whether or not he suits up on Sunday night next week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, Allen played, Allen played well, even if he was not perfect. He looked like the Josh Allen who was playing last week, not the one who was playing three weeks ago, where things were a little more, you know, more tentative, not in rhythm. The play calling in general was still very creative. The defense, the pass rush was, for the most part, getting there without, um, you know, getting their period and getting there without having to bring the big blitz. So, yeah, I mean, they checked almost all the right boxes for this game. Um, obviously, yeah, you take the opponent into consideration and it doesn't look as good, but you know, we did what we needed to against an inferior team. So it, I don't know. It's this one's tough to really analyze because it's like you're really grasping at straws here. I think that maybe one thing I'm willing to to draw from this game, and Paul, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And Scott can take a beat on it too. I'm more and more willing to throw out the Pittsburgh game as an aberration after this game because even though they have been beating up on weak, weaker opponents, I mean, first of all, the Jets won this week. And second of all, um, you know, there are plenty of games in plenty of years where like subpar performances uh, against weaker teams have either cost them or you come away sort of talking yourself into, well, yeah, I guess, you know, the Texans were kind of up for it. And I'm glad the Bills got out of there and a win's a win. But I mean, there, there's been none of that for three weeks. What, what, what did you think of the game, Paul? Yeah, I won't address the Pittsburgh elements simply because uh, I don't want us to jump ahead to listener questions where Mike Eller poses almost that exact question about the meaning of the Pittsburgh game in hindsight now. He should, it, he should own up. He should own up. He should uh, run a podcast then. He should. Yes. It was, yeah, this was, you know, to address, yeah, it's a week to week league. So some weeks you escape, some weeks you dominate. I will say even when Josh Allen throws an interception on the first offensive play of the game for the bills and it's turned to the 15 yard line, I don't remember being worried at any point this game because even even toward the end of the day, it was already four to nothing, I believe, and toward the end of this game, the three of us, because of different locations, different feeds, tend not to watch the game at the exact same moment. And there was a point at the end of the game where I had put on a message board uh, that we share, uh, the WhatsApp app, oh dear, and Frank assumed, oh no, something terrible has happened because we, we can't spoil turnovers or scoring plays, but you know we'll talk about other things. And my idea was simply Tyler Matakevich had intercepted Davis Mills yet again. And basic human sympathy for me kicked in for Davis Mills. Like, okay, he's already dead. Let's just 
you know, let's just force some incompletions, get it, make it four downs and out and, and keep this game going. Because like, you know, we, we, Frank had referenced about the, the Patriots. They probably all run together after a while. These last three games are going to seem all the same where it's like, oh yeah, we played that uh, backup quarterback most of the time, young guy, and, you know, they dominated, you know, Josh played well, you know, much better than he did in the week against Pittsburgh. Boy, that defense did great, but I don't remember uh, the Taylor Heineke. I don't know that name. Davis Mills. That's the TJ Yates of this era. Who knows that guy? So <laughs> I think it's going to be, you know, he's almost a neat. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say it's, you know, it's so tough to, this will be come up on this same Bill's headline sometime. It'll be like, yeah, I know what to say because, yeah, it's a it's a forty to nothing win. There are still points, and Scott, you know, half joking, they brought the red zone offense, the one area that did kind of need to be fixed in terms of getting to the end zone, which really by the fourth quarter they fixed when they got in three times out of three. So yeah, it, it was, you know, what do you <laughs> what do you have to say about such a they faced weaker opponent? We can learn really nothing from this game, and you know, on to Kansas City. Yeah, I think that some of the red zone stuff too might be um, opponent defended or dependent mm-hmm. because maybe you're just really comfortable kicking field goals against Houston because you don't really care that much. You, you know, you, you feel like you've got them dead to rights and you've just got to kind of pile on points while you can, because once you get to like a critical mass of, I mean, in this case, you know, maybe 14 points was the critical mass for, for Houston, like you've overwhelmed them now and you've made them into the one dimensional, I mean, I guess they would have, I guess that would be an improvement if they became a one dimensional team, but, <laughs> but you're just sort of not worried about it because it's not, they're not the Chiefs, you know? And, and, and so the caller is right. Like, well, that won't work against the Chiefs and the Bills might very well say, you're right. That's why we did it this week and not next week against the Chiefs. Right, right. Um, when, we, when, we were ch- when we were chatting yesterday, I started to interrupt, but Scott even brought up the fact that, boy, the play calling the red zones, leaving something to be desired. What you're kind of saying, right? That could be by design. Why show your hand for a game against the Chiefs? We'll just do some vanilla play calling in the red zone. It'll be good enough to win a game by 40 points. So why show our hand? And, and even and even not the even the one call that wasn't vanilla at the goal line, two three yards, the like the run pass option that ends up in in um, Dawson Knox's hands. Uh, that's sort of like a I dare you to stop. Like I think they just I don't think that was like a trick play by any measure. I think it was just. We're just going to you can't really stop us. So we're just going to run this. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I got the impression that it wasn't like they felt the need they needed to like do anything other than, well, let's see. We kind of feel like let's see how this play works out, because maybe we'll, we'll we'll need that. I, I should run down some of the numbers. I mean, Davis Mills, 11 of 21 for 87 yards and four interceptions. And Joe Buscag- uh, Buscaglia, blah, blah, blah. Um, Joe B, he compared it to Nathan Peterman's uh, 2018 Chargers game. Peterman's still worse, um, but not by but much. But not by much. <laughs> uh, Mark Ingram, six carries for 24 yards. You know, Brandy Cooks, five catches for 47 yards. I mean, the definition of futility. I mean, they just, they couldn't do anything. Allen finishes 28-29 for 248 yards with two touchdowns and the errant throw interception, which, I mean, the beginning of that game, the first two passes looked absolutely like the ball was coming out of the wrong part of his hand and it, it you know, it was like he had the guy open on the interception. It just the ball didn't go at all the correct way. Um, so, you know, I'm really willing to chalk that up to like a sudden wet rainstorm. Um, Mitchell Trubisky still perfect on the season. Uh, he completes his one for one pass. Singletary with a big drop. He 
Singletary would have broke 100 yards if, if a great uh, run wasn't called back because of a hold. Um, and then, you know, Jaquan Johnson. I did interrupt, but, but again, Singletary, four fumbles as a running back. I mean, magically, he's lost zero of them. Uh, yeah. Someone should be kicking him in the ass because he's going to start losing those fumbles, and it's going to be a problem when we play teams like the Chiefs. Well, I, I, he did he did get sacked for the rest of the drive. And, you know, when you have Zach Moss, who's also running reasonably well, I mean, he could just lose snaps, period. So, yeah. um, and then the one thing I want to mention before we turn it over to three stars is a guy I'm pretty sure won't make a three star, but um, Tyler Bass has, I mean, there's just something really great about Tyler Bass not needing. Like you're not, you don't ever have to worry about the points for Tyler Bass because he's just really good. And yeah, one miss this year and it was over 50. All his extra points good. All his sub 50 field goals good. Yeah, and that goes with last year. I mean, he sort of like you know started a little like hot, a little little crazy, and then since then he's um he's just like automatic. And and Josh Allen called him a football player this week. You know, sort of making sure people understood he's not just the kicker. He's a football player, and they all sort of love him. Um, he, he, he and Diggs both set like records for points or he set a record for points for, um, um, or he joined like only like three or four people who scored so many points in their first, uh, 20 games played. Mm-hmm. I read that somewhere. So I just, I wanted to give him a shout out because he's not kicking game well, winning field goals, but he's, um, you know, he's helping to pile on points. He's just like, he's just like automatic. And it's, did, you, it's did you see, nice. uh, did you see Stefan Diggs quote on Tyler Bass last week? No, what was his quote? He was asked, he's one of the swaggiest kickers who's been around, and Stefan Diggs said, he's definitely top two and not number two. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And Diggs, of course, is like you know, his own kind of special, amazing, um, you know, breaks or, uh, you know, most catches uh, in with a franchise in, in its first 20 games. So, like, he continues to catch the football. Um Kind he of called quiet, this portion of the podcast, Frank, get a room. I don't know. Kind of quiet <laughs> like you ever, I mean, they, they, they have reason to be. All the news is good. Yes. Um, I, such that I don't even want to bring up Cole Beasley's ridiculous, you know, tweets, but whatever. Um, but we should go to three stars, which which I don't know, Scott, is it 300 stars this week? Because I, I, I feel like it could be. Well, we know we know where the Texans are. The Texans, the Texans are... All on the bottom 45 stars, unfortunately. It's a tough, it's a tough day. I wanted to give, I think Andre Roberts is, is, is the 46th honorable mention or the, <laughs> the three stars. So then 40, so it'd probably, he'll be like the number 41 honorable mention somewhere in there. Um, maybe Cody Ford is behind him. Oh, um, Oh yeah, we didn't talk much about Cody Ford, but yes. Yeah, we'll we'll come. Back. Well, I don't know if we're going to come back to the offensive line or not. I don't care about the schedule or the agenda or anything. In case people don't know, I don't prefer. <laughs> That's not your problem. Yeah, you're you're the diva wide receiver of our team, Scott. Don't worry. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Tell me when it's my play. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll pretend I didn't hear that. We'll uh, no, I was going to list off some other fun stats from this game. Did you know that the Texans had ten penalties for hundred yards? Does everyone remember how many total yards they had? Was it like it was either like just over a hundred or just under a hundred? Yeah, yeah, it was thirty-ish maybe. One hundred and nine, yeah. Yeah. Yards. Um, and then uh, time of possession for the Texans. Anyone remember what that one was? No. Oh, uh, was it like uh, twenty-three-ish minutes? 
2145. Oh, gosh. That's a tough, tough day at the office. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and everyone get the number of first downs. And really, I think, I don't, I don't think they had more than one through about like maybe the first half. I think they had one. Yeah, the they, did, they had one late in the first half. And I think that's got to be their first one. Then I forgot they had one like 10 or 11 yard run early in the game. And that, I think they had two in the first half, two first downs. Yeah, yeah. They had ended up with six first downs on the day. Uh, so Gosh. a bad day at the offense. Not the worst offense that I saw this. Well, maybe the worst offense I saw this weekend watching football. Um, Wisconsin did something. <laughs> All right. On a three. On a three. Um, we'll go to the Bills defense. Uh, we'll start with someone who didn't make a star, but is always a star in our heart. That's right. Big star, Latoule. Um A welcome uh, addition back to the Bills after obviously not being out with COVID last season and then not being on the field the first uh, first game, first two games of this year. I'm trying to remember. I think first, first game. game. I think you just missed the first yeah. one. Yeah. Um, just but the first we, one. We were a little worried uh, about Star for a little while, but obviously, you know, he's he's pretty fired up. You know, he, he got the sack, I think, fairly early on in this game. Uh, ended up with, I think, three tackles overall. But obviously leading a very strong defensive line effort uh, that was able to pick up some other sacks as well, including Boogie Basham. Uh, and the always the always fun team sack. I think that was where Mills did Mills lose it. Is that where he no, dropped. No, I think it? that was that was the one where yeah. there was good coverage. He kind of scrambled around for a bit, and then he got away from Basham for a little bit. But then he still kept hanging on to it for some reason. Basham eventually got him down. Well, that was yeah, the one that passed him. Down. But line, what's, yeah. what's, it, it has here a like team sack. Uh, I'm wondering if that was the one where he fumbled it when no one was around him, and it would be hard to tell who was the closest to him. Oh, yeah, that must have been what it was. <clears throat> yeah. But um, Anyway, so uh, we'll give Star half a sack there, too. So we'll a sack and a half in, in Scott's scorebook. Um, he gets an honorable mention. Uh, Diggs, uh, the, the Diggs breakout game, as uh, a couple people had been predicting, would coming. Seven catches, 114 yards, no touchdowns, but obviously good to see him kind of getting uh, the – the stats, because obviously we understand that he's going to take a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the number one corners away from whoever's the the you know allow other guys to get open, but he still needs to get in. He still needs to get his. He needs to stay involved in the offense so that people don't start walking that away from him. Um, so it's nice to see that he's still kind of lethal out there. Um, I would also want to give honorable mention to uh, Spencer Brown. First, yeah, I'll start at right tackle. Was not exposed as a horrific player, which is good. Um, I did not uh, get a chance to break down the film, but I did not remember him getting called for any obvious holds or false starts or seeing him, you know, get no, lit up at any point. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't. Which is good, and that's what you usually want in offensive linemen. If you're seeing the offensive yeah. lineman uh, or hearing his name called, that's usually a bad sign. So, uh, good job for Spencer Brown. We'll get into the real three stars. Uh, or the the actual three stars. Third star goes to another guy making his first start, I believe, Jaquan Johnson. The yep. three yeah. And the big interception at the end of the game, um, which was nice to see. Uh, everyone's been really excited about him. I thought he was a good player at Miami. I was pleased when the Bills got him. Obviously, he's been learning from two great safeties, um, and I hope that that continues to be uh, the track that he goes on to. If, if in two or three years he's as good as Michael Hyde and Jordan Poyer, then that's pretty awesome because you know those guys aren't going to be around forever, and we should treasure every day that we have them because it's good safeties are not always easy to come by. 
Um, he was he was one of two defensive players to play 100% of the snaps yesterday, and you will not guess the other one, I don't think, either of you. Um, I would say it was Levi Wallace. No, excellent guess, though. Frank? I will say Tremaine Edmonds. The correct answer is Cam Lewis. Cam Lewis. That's a great sign that he played every snap and I barely noticed him. That is what you want out of your nickel corner. Right. Yes, that is true. Um, Again, everything with a bit of a grain of salt given the important, but that's fine. Yes. Uh, I agree. Um, But yes, it's, hey, value they give you. All right, second star goes to, uh, this one is a toss-up, and I will give it to, just for, just for, just to change things up, we'll give it to Josh Allen. 28-29 for 248, two touchdowns, the interception, one sack, um, but did have six carries for 40 yards. Um, Obviously, uh, the maestro back there continuing to rough it out, even in tough conditions, uh, especially early on. Um, So we kind of keep focus on the team. Uh, excuse me, on the team performing. Boy, I'm just falling asleep right now. Uh, Sorry. The team playing well uh, against an inferior opponent is something that I was trying to say. And then I'll just go to first star so I can end this segment and go to sleep. Um, I Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox, first star. Two touchdowns, five catches, 37 yards on eight targets. Dawson Knox, who I, I feel like... I. I I, Paul is our memory master. Uh, I feel like Dawson probably got a second or a third star at some point, uh, yes. if not last year, maybe two years. Well, I don't know. He I was think a he gave him one in 2019. I'd have to go back and listen to 2019 for the Bengals game where he had that huge catch at the end and then plowed he, over seven. He ran those guy. Yeah, exactly. That was, the just, that was the, his best career game numbers-wise and highlight-wise, and that was on the winning touchdown drive. So. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, I think he probably, a long absence for Dawson Knox. I think he was honorable mention uh, last week. But, uh, it's, hey, you know, everyone always knew he had the talent. That was not the issue. The, the athleticism was there. The size was there. Uh, it was, you know, whether it was the vision thing with working with the coach in the offseason on the vision or whether it's just a maturity of understanding what you need to do to prepare or understanding that, you know, how you need to focus on every play, whatever it is. It's it's working for Knox, and you know I'm not saying he's going to be Travis Kelsey, but we don't we don't really need him to be Travis Kelsey because I think in general it, it's a whole package with this offense, and he just needs to do his you know do his job, and the the everything should work out okay, and I think uh, it's working out okay so far, forty to nothing. So, uh, and that's those are your three stars. Your eye uh, catches for Dawson Knox. So good job, Dawson. Very good. We're going to let uh, Scott finish his bottle of wine and, uh, you know, take, take a quick nap, <laughs> pull, pull his microphone out of his mouth for a second, and uh, it'll be good. Um, no, you know, so I, briefly, I had emailed the guys. Let me pull up my email. Um, so Teron Johnson and Jordan Poyer are day-to-day, and they also said that um, Milano was day-to-day. I posited the question that maybe he's not really day to day, but he's day to day in the fact in the way that, you know, week to week is also a kind of day to day. We are all, aren't, you know, day to day, aren't we all? Um, the 
and then the offensive line uh, will kind of continue as is, which I think is an is a is a nod for Spencer Brown. Um, I mean, Cody Ford has clearly established himself as is the seventh best lineman um, mm-hmm. out of six right now on the team. And, uh, you know, he's he's persona non grata and, and they still believe in Cody Ford, but they still believed in Zay Jones. Um, and yep. this is kind still of the time. Harrison Phillips and- they did. And this is the kind this is the time of year where they they sort of have traditionally moved on from a, a guy here or there. Um, this would not be the, the first uh, time that they've switched things around about the fourth or fifth week on the offensive line specifically. Um, so, you know, I, it's funny because I was reading an article which is like, well, this is a knock, a knock against against uh, Bean. But I mean, Bean also, Bean also picks up Brown. And if Brown steps in and plays well, then, you know, then it's that's part of the numbers game. It's not about getting everything right. It's about, you know, taking as many swings at the at the at the baseball as you can here um but you know so milano might be a one of those deals where um and everybody's coming home so if you hear that's what's happening in the background um but uh milano might be just on the report until he until game time yeah i think he'll be a game time decision they might not want to you know let on that he's going to be down for multiple weeks maybe he'll try and fight through this week and then rest afterwards i don't know but there's there's some interesting injury stuff and some personnel stuff. Um, Paul, why don't you give us your thoughts first? And Scott just finished the segment, and then we will briefly talk about uh, our thoughts around the NFL. I'll serpentine around, and we'll start with the offensive line situation. We were asked in the preseason, I think, in the questions, who at the end of the year, barring injury, we thought were going to be the two starting guards. Uh, none of us would have had the week four combination of Ike Butker and Daryl Williams, I don't believe. So that is interesting. Yeah, they gave, and Frank perfectly made the analysis with, oh, yeah, and the same vote of confidence they gave Zay Jones, they're giving Cody Ford. This, this is largely it, and I'd said the same about Harrison Phillips last year when they first made him a healthy and active. When you are in your third season with the team, as Zay Jones was, as Harrison Phillips was, and you are now to the point where you are, you've gone from being a starter to someone who's a backup on the sideline or a healthy scratch. It means their team is, you're not going to get a second contract from the team. They traded Zay. Harrison will ride out his contract this year, and then they'll look for someone else at one technique, knowing they can't have a, him step up as a permanent replacement for Star Little Lele if they decide to move on from Star for contract reasons. So, yeah, it was good to see Spencer get in there. It's good to see Butker get in there. There was almost an illusion that they're going to stick with this line. McDermott today that they'll stick with this offensive line going forward, and that could include meaning even if John Feliciano is healthy, maybe they stick with this rotation. But I think the key is how will they perform against a, you know, a a better team, if not necessarily a great defense by any stretch uh, in Kansas City. Which brings me to Matt Milano, and just the note that this is a is a big injury in the sense that. I would rather have him covering, trying to cover Travis Kelsey or trying to cover some of the players out of Chase backfield than I would AJ Klein. So I'm hoping it was just a tweak. I think Frank is right. We will not find out until uh, Sunday morning what the situation is, or maybe Sunday afternoon since they have a late game. So uh, here's hoping he's healthy. I have a question for you, gentlemen. So think about how important this Chiefs games is in your head. And what percent change? I would say on any given kind of NFL Sunday, there's probably a one in 50 chance 
you're going to have a season-ending injury. Maybe one in 75, somewhere in there. What chance would you, if the doctors told you there is a one in blank chance that Matt Milano has a season-ending injury if you put him out there on Sunday, would you would you be willing to to do that? Hmm. Let's go to let's go to Paul. Paul, you said hmm. So yeah, so get- I guess I I bust myself in. Well, obviously, uh, one in one to one chance, I'm not going to put him in there. One in a hundred, yes. I'm going to put him in there. So I will say, for me, the magic number and Milano's fairly injury prone anyway. Yeah, one in four. <laughs> I will, so if there's yeah. a 25 percent chance that he gets injured, you're still sending him out there. Yep. Yeah. That's I really. Yeah, that's too high for me. Yeah, as that's it should too high be. For I'm me. not saying I'm rational. I'm just saying that's what yeah. I deal with. <laughs> if this is the AFC Championship, Guillotine Paul Demansky sending Milano out there. Yeah. Right. It's like sort of my logic is I think he's probably going to suffer a hamstring injury this time later in the year anyway because he's done it every year. So what the hell? He's going to blow it for the year. Might as well do it in a game that matters. Nice. That's terrible logic, but yeah, okay. I, um, I spent all my sympathy on uh, on uh, Miles Davis, Davis Mills, whatever his name is, yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Moral yeah. yeah. fatigue, um, Paul Demansky. Like one in twenty would be like a five percent chance. So I think yeah. that's kind of you know somewhere between like maybe maybe as low as like one in fifteen, and that might be it. Somewhere in there, it's like a somewhere between a, a five and ten percent chance. I'm I'm comfortable with it. Anything more than that, I don't know because I really want to win this game in particular. It's got very nice implications for the AFC Championship game, um, and he is the kind of player that might be the tipping point in the difference. But I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like even if you win this game, and this is this is actually a question I was going to ask you guys about, but we'll we'll, we'll save it for later if we have time. You know. The bigger the bigger thing is to have him available in the postseason. The actual playoffs, yeah, yes. yeah, the actual playoffs. So I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of a little more conservative than uh, than Death March Jemanski. Right, you're so. making the smart, rational decision. I am the beat the fucking Chiefs on Sunday night mode, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's kind of the, that's kind of the challenging thing, right? Is that you never know you'll never know what actually. I mean, we'll never know what his actual injury status is. And there's no way that even a good doctor could give you any kind of realistic, oh, well, if you send him out there, there's a one in 10 chance. Like, there's no probability language that they could put on that that would have any kind of meaning, I think. Um, And even if you did, you wouldn't actually know what the impact of winning or losing that game would be on the rest of the season. I mean, sometimes, like, this, this is still, I mean, the reason we watch is this is still a mental game. And uh, the impact of winning or losing a big game, a Sunday night game against a team beating in the playoffs, those are the kind of things that can change how you feel about a season. So I think it's interesting. I mean, yes, I'm much more in the, the frank kind of 5 or 10% chance range, but I would say I'm, I'm probably even a little, little less. I think, um, obviously, like Klein's not great, um, certainly not in coverage, um, but I think you... you you have to, in some ways, test how you would perform without Milano and figure out your concepts for dealing with Kelsey and Hill at the same time without him. Rather, And then if you have him for the playoffs, great. Then he's your, yeah, he's your guy who's, who's 
coming off the bench and, and you can change up your defense. But now at least you can figure some stuff out and see if that works. So, uh, yeah, that's, that, those are my thoughts uh, in general on injuries and et cetera. Okay. Um, I am – okay, so I did not get to watch any of the Brady versus the Pats um, like I wanted yeah, to. It was a football game. It was fine. Uh, Mac Jones played well. The second half was entertaining. The Patriots lost, which was a good thing. Again, I felt bad for a kicker who made a near-perfect kick, but it hits the upright at the end for New England. But then I remember he played from New England. I didn't feel bad. So a lot of hype, some interesting quotes. I guess Belichick and Brady met for 20 minutes after the game. But more than anything, I'm glad that's happened and it's over. And now no one will be talking about what it will be like when Brady goes back to New England. Yes, I think at this point he's now beaten all teams. So yeah. I think that was yeah. the last one on his on his belt. So good for him, I guess. Um, and you know the entire AFC East is one and three. Um, you know Kansas City's a game back. There is a chance that Las Vegas loses tonight, and nobody's better than three and one. So there's some good stuff happening in the AFC, including Tennessee losing. Um, yep. to the Thank you, Jets. Yeah. Yeah, down AJ Brown and um, Julio Jones. Is that right? Was that the other guy? Yeah, um, yeah, they were down their top two. Yeah, which you know that'll hurt. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think we could still beat the Jets if you if we didn't have, you know, Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, maybe. But I could see how it would be a lot tougher, um, even as bad as as the Jets are. Um, and I don't know, Scott. Did you have any thoughts on anything else on the in, around the league or? You wanted to mention no. I mean, I think I think uh, I mean, yeah. It's kind of kind of put a put a fork in Miami. I think they're done. I think yeah. I think you can probably yeah, put a fork in the Steelers. I think they're they're pretty much checked out. So yeah, I mean, I think think when you're, I mean, the Colts maybe also in that kind of checked out. Not sure if they're going to be able to to rally kind of mode because I don't know that they've yeah. got got the so the 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 rest of the conference middle section is kind of shaping up here of you know, middle to top tier of like Cleveland, probably in there somewhere, uh, you know, Baltimore, Denver's got some interesting kind of defensive challenges that they pose. Obviously, Kansas City's in there. The Raiders are in there. Maybe the Chargers, if you like Justin Herbert, obviously he's got some, some, some mm-hmm. hush at this point, but, uh, and then the Bills, obviously. So there's, you know, seven or eight kind of good teams. And I think, you know, a couple of them are going to be dangerous in the playoffs, but but I don't I don't think any of those teams are without or without flaws. Um, and obviously, the Bills aren't perfect either. But but we'll I like our chances. So well, as you as you said at the outset, there's many different types of perfect uh, in football. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe they are perfect for us. Um, I agree. I, I I sort of find you know I'm intrigued by Baltimore. I think Baltimore might be the new AFC North power. I don't know. Baker Mayfield had a pretty shaky game. I mean, he might shake it off too, but um, you know, Cleveland, there's some questions there for me. Kansas city is weird because if they had like lost to the Eagles at one and three, I I was trying to decide, let me run this by you guys. I was, I wasn't sure if I wanted them to be one and three coming into Buffalo or two and two, having, you know, gotten themselves right a little because you know, you don't want like the most angry version of the of the the Chiefs. You know, there's that whole chestnut about like you know just waiting. You know, you're, you're poking the spare too much. Um, but at the same token, at one and three, even if they do win, they're still a game behind Buffalo and 
and and generally it's just a harder road for them to climb. I don't know if you guys have given that any thought at all, but I, I kind of had. I think mentally you got the ideal then for for your hope, Frank, because the Chiefs uh, did win the game, so they're not super angry. But we also saw that their defense continues to struggle against, in this case, an offense that was not that is not expected to be a top tier offense this year. So right. they got their win, but I'm a little more optimistic going into this week than I would have been, say, in the preseason when we would have been talking about this game. Right. Um, I I don't want to talk about Kansas City's defensive struggles yet. I want to roll that into our talk about yep. the prediction. And other than saying that Cole Beasley tweeted some stuff about how Bills fans boo him, um, I guess some Bill fans boo him. Okay, guess what? Like some Nats fans boo baseball player i mean like that's just i'm yeah. sorry but like there's there are people and i get it like it's it's maybe like not the reason you thought you were going to get booed but i only have so much sympathy i tend to roll my eyes at people who boo their own players too like i don't know if this is a great reason to boo them but guess what we're here cole um and uh i don't know maybe maybe this is a better discussion I, I'm, I'm gonna open it up for you guys if you want to say anything about cole beasley complaining about getting booed because he's anti-vax by bills fans I open the door and the floor for you to say so. Otherwise, this might be a better question for towards the end of the season or the offseason where it's like, well, are we going to continue to employ Cole Beasley, who, you know, may have worn his welcome with some of the fans, if not necessarily his fellow players? Yeah, 15 seconds or less, I will say. I don't really want to talk about it other than Cole. You you can stop tweeting. You can have those thoughts. You can be disappointed. The Bowie and Ivory with Frank It's kind of tacky to boo your own players unless they – I've uh, done something egregious uh, on the field involving murdering an opponent or something like that. So, yeah, but just please stop tweeting about it, Cole. Internalize it. Talk to your therapist. Talk to your teammates. Doesn't have to. They all seem to still like him. I mean, they all seem to still like him. Oh yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, I, I'm guessing he'll continue to and play. We, we know him and Jerry Hughes are on opposite sides of the issue, and I don't hear anything about them bickering in the locker room. So. Yeah. All right, and Scott. Oh, go ahead. Yes, there you go. I think uh, I think briefly I would say I wonder if there's some like dark kind of Cole Beasley reverse logic here that maybe he's selling more jerseys in different parts of the country that maybe most <laughs> people don't don't frequent too much or at least some parts. Of, I mean, there's probably some parts of Western New York where there's some well, pockets of folks who aren't really on the train um, that there is a there. You, yeah. My parents <laughs> tell you that the drive from Rochester to Buffalo is full of lots and lots of people that are not like the people in Rochester and Buffalo. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, they're not going to be going for socialist mayors in any of those places between Rochester and Buffalo. No, no. And, and Rochester's marriage is just, she's going to resign. Well, whatever we could talk, we could talk about that on our next pot, you know, <laughs> Western New York podcast about politics, you know, maybe next yeah. scandal, but um, anyway, <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I think there's some yes. devious logic there from Beasley. Maybe next to pose New York Post. I I tend, you know, that's very savvy, Scott. And I and as you say that, I I, I wonder if that's the case too, because I, I'm wondering if he's sort of accepted that like this is going to be his brand in some ways. You know, like he's going to be this guy, and part of being this guy is you say these things and you do these things, and 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 that's you know he he did say something about like you know somebody paid him he would get vaccinated, so. I, that that was from the summer. There were some weird like side comments about that. But, right, he know. wanted stock in Pfizer. Right, that was the deal. Right. That was the deal. So 
you know, maybe maybe this is his own version of stock in Pfizer is, you know, we can sell some Cole Beasley jerseys elsewhere. Um, we are going to move on to listener questions in this day in Bill's headlines. And then I am going to switch up the agenda a little and then we'll we'll finish up. But um, Scott, Paul, do you have the listener questions available to you from Twitter? Mm-hmm. The only so, the only social media network currently. working. Yeah, sorry for all the WhatsApp and Instagram questions we got. Uh, so yeah. MySpace, it, B-Bills, M&Y. Okay. All right. So Twitter questions. Uh, <laughs> our buddy Grant uh, had a kind of a statement off the bat. Uh not so much question, but I want to say how impressed I am with the depth of the talent on the roster. Great to see Boogie get his first stack and Johnson get his first INT. Concerned about Milano's hamstring, but Klein is a good backup. I would agree. And after the playoff drought, I don't think I'll ever sit down and kick off confident of a W, except I think there's a good chance of at least 23 points against KC this weekend, which will probably be enough, I predict. KC 20, Buffalo 23. I think we all hope the same, Grant. Um and here's a question that Frank uh, unintentionally uh, tried to have me answer earlier. Uh, Mike Geller, given that Pittsburgh has looked bad, was that loss just a fluke or have the Bills changed their scheme or play calling since week one? I will now answer that question that uh, Mike and Frank uh, both posed and say, I think it's mainly a fluke, but I default to the what Grant just kind of alluded to, which was, you know, any given Sunday. Pittsburgh has a, a good defense. I've got a great Pass rusher and Watt, they faced tough competition this week in the Packers. And uh, we had a massive special teams failure that game, and the offense could get on track, and uh, they lost. I think if they play Pittsburgh nine more times, they win eight to nine of those games. So, you know, I, I think it's you shake it off, it happened, but it can happen any week. And I would rather it happen week one than, say, in the AFC title game. Yeah, you you stole my. I mean, that's the, my my thunders. If you played them ten times, how many times would they really win? I think. I mean, I'm fully ready to dismiss it. You know, ninety percent is a fluke, or eighty percent is a fluke. And then I think they did change their scheme. I mean, they did talk about this eleven personnel and 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 moving. You know, getting tight ends involved, and they certainly continued that. That's they had success with it. So, um, you know, I don't know if like that would have been the difference, or if just. You know, I think what I had said on Sunday to you guys was like, if we had played the Texans week one or or the the Washington week one, let's say, um, and then the Steelers week two, um, it might have been a completely different thing. It would have just been they needed a week under their belt to kind of shake some stuff off and and get get used to to playing real football games again, I guess, and it could have been completely different. But now, I mean, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's. Uh, a pretty bad team, and I think that you know, with a little bit of tape on them, Buffalo, I think it would be a completely different result. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I mean, there's so many kind of variables, right? Because it's like, well, what if we were playing Tyrod Taylor with the Texans, um, or Deshaun Watson for that matter? Like, it's it's these are all like undefinables that you wouldn't really know. On some level, I think, yeah, I, I think in general, the Bills are probably a better team than the Steelers. But I think there were some really odd formation and um, kind of personnel choices. I think Allen was off in that game for, for whatever reason, and he was still kind of off the week after, too. So whatever that was, that was that was not just the Steelers, but that was not a fluke. It was structural to whatever that beginning of the season was for Allen. And he got through it. He's playing better now. You hope it doesn't come back. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the injuries for the Steelers in terms of Watt being out, that 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 affects, you know, he's their, 
he's probably their best single best player at this point. So if him being out is if the Bills single best player was out, that would have an impact too. So it's, you know, it's the NFL. I mean, things are going to be weird week to week. You know, what happens if we play KC next week with Milano versus what we don't? I don't know. You know, it's tough to say. And things, things you, you get, you, the coaches get paid to make the team, you know, let the teams win the games even when things don't go well. So I put it on the coaching staff and I think we can move on. All right. All right. Good job. Joe Tronowski with a good potential wacky schedule uh, thing for next year. The NFL installs a mercy rule where Allen has to throw with his left hand when the Bills get a certain lead. What size lead would trigger that mercy rule? So you guys have adequate time to think. Uh, I will come up with my answer first, which is I'd say 29 points. I feel that is no okay. team. And I feel I, I in the second half. I think a 29 yeah, points. Yeah, I had 26 points. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had 26 points. I was thinking 26 half. is good. I feel like we need a little bit more than that because I feel like, I mean, he's no. not going to throw it all with the left hand, right? That's like, the problem. Here's the other thing, like, and, and this is a great attempt, but this is why Scott's the master of this is, you know, does he have to throw with his left hand or could he hand off? I mean, like, you're up 26 points in the second half. You, you just might not throw it all. Yeah. And, well, you really, it's like, do, you have to, do you have to play him? Can you bring right. Trubisky you on Trubisky, and have, yeah. him, have him, like, because even if you run a normal offense with Trubisky, I think it's going to be better than Allen running a ball. Like, I think if you're whoever you're playing, at that point you just sell out to stop the run and mm-hmm. assume and assume that it's not going to get thrown over your head by more than 10 yards because he just going to be real hard to do that left-handed. I don't know. I mean, Allen is kind of a freak. He's probably is just as good as capable of doing it as any NFL quarterback, but just, yeah. you know. Does he practice the whole week throwing left-handed? These are all questions we need to answer. So yeah, my guess is that like he he has no good form throwing left-handed, but like he could do something with it. He's probably practiced enough with his left-handed that he could like flip the ball and it would go like fifteen to twenty yards. He, like he seems like the kind of guy who could just like you know <clears throat> put it and it would go. Yeah, be tough to catch. But anyway, all right. It's a it's a good start. It's a good start. But I I, I think that we should flesh that out and maybe consider it. Next year, we'll workshop it. Yeah, yeah, we'll workshop. <laughs> Fix right. it in post. No big deal. Our last question: uh, Dig season, Zay Day. Uh, how much are you viewing this KC game as the measuring stick for the team? It's just one game in a long season, but I think I need to see them get a road victory over a Super Bowl contender before I truly feel like this is the year. And I will largely agree with that. I felt like the the rarest measuring stick games, one of which we were at, which was the Pittsburgh road victory in 2019, where it's good team, road, primetime game. Can they come through and win and clinch a playoff spot and get to 10-3? and three? Yeah, so that was measuring stick. Then last year, have they really overtaken the Patriots? Well, they beat Cam, and then they destroyed the Patriots at the end of the year. I'm like, well, they've hit those measuring sticks. And I think after the way they played against Kansas City in the last two games, where they were the first game they were competitive as they could be, but they were really dominated uh, for the most part. And the second game, they were full-on dominating the AFC Championship. Absolutely, I put a lot on this game because how they perform, win or lose, they've not played their best game against the Chiefs. And I really need to see what they can do when they play one of their best games against the two-time defending AFC champions. Let me, this is good because this actually feeds into what I want to do instead of the second quarter of the season preview. 
Um, so I'm going to take this question and I'm going to rearrange the agenda slightly and I'll just I'll I'll set up what I, I have here and then Scott can, can answer and then we'll finish with this days and build those headlines and the actual prediction for the game. But I thought about this question in, in a myriad of different ways because, you know, I think the trap that our listener might fall into is, OK, they beat the Chiefs on the road in Arrowhead. Let's say they do that. But it depends on how they do that in some ways, because however this game turns out, the bugaboo of getting to the Super Bowl is still out there. And so, like, having to beat the Chiefs again in the playoffs is going to be the new goalposts. And then, you know, then we get back to, you know, the 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 original uh, ghost story of the Buffalo Bills. Can you win a Super Bowl provided you get there? Um, so what I thought about with this Kansas City game was you have four choices, right? And there's the easiest one that we would all want. The Bills win um, on firing on many cylinders. They win a, a, a shootout kind of score, something like 38 to 35, right? They beat the Chiefs that way. Then there's another way they beat the Chiefs, where it's for some reason, if they win this game like 19 to 16, and they really do a number on the Chiefs offensively, but they never get their offense going, which to me has been the bigger problem the last two. Then there's the other options of, you know, they lose those games, the mirrors of those games. They lose a shootout to the Chiefs, 38-35, but the offense looks really good. Mahomes has the ball last. They they you know, and they just sort of, you know, get down there and they they kick a field goal with time expiring and and you know, but but for that they 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 you know had a chance at the game. And then there's the other game where they, you know, they 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 neither offense wins or does well, but uh, the Chiefs kind of squeak it out 16, 15 or something on the lower end, uh, but the defense plays a bit better. And I think emotionally, that's sort of like a, uh, I'm trying to use this as a bit of a Rorschach test. So I'm going to turn it over to Scott first. Those those four scenarios, you know, you know, I think that which can you can you rank them in in order of preference? I would prefer. I would prefer um, the maybe this is conventional, but I'll just do it. I'll say sure. shoot shootout win, close win, or like you know weird stupid game win, weird stupid game loss, and then uh, and then shootout loss. Okay. I feel, like, I feel like shootout loss to me bothers me a great deal because that that means we haven't. We haven't fixed the problems on some level that we had <clears throat> last year. And I don't like I think the offense I'd have greater chance of the offense getting better over the course of the season from a 19 point uh, showing or a 16 point showing. I'd have greater chance that would get fixed rather than the defense finding a way if they can't limit Casey. I mean, it depends a little bit on Milano, but if they can't limit to Casey 35 tomorrow, I don't see how they're going to limit him to 35 or 32 uh, in three or four months. I don't think that talent, the talent's not on the field now. I, I don't think they can get it done. So I, I, okay. I'd be a little concerned if that was where we ended up. All right, yeah. Paul, what do you think? Yeah, similar to Scott's, but a little different. So I take the shootout win. I feel like our offense is not proven that they can move consistently against Kansas City for four quarters. That would be a great way to do it. Secondly, I will take the 
close win, the freaky 16-15 one. A little less satisfying because even though the defense didn't really stop the Chiefs in any of the, either of the games last year, they did should show a strategy for limiting the number of points that the Chiefs can get in that first battle. I would rather see the shootout loss, so I'm going to put that that third. And the reason I would rather see is I feel like the defense struggled a bit last year and then against the Colts and then against the Ravens in the playoffs and the Ravens having a very good offense. We kind of came together and figured things out. I think it's going to be easier for them to get that sorted out going into the uh, end of the year. And the last thing I want to see is that 16 to 15 loss uh, because it will bore the hell out of me for one. And it will reaffirm that our offense just, which is lights out against so many teams cannot manage to do what it needs to do against the Chiefs to win a game, even if all that is is scoring 17 damn points. Right. Okay. I am agree. I agree with you both on, on results one and four. Um, or no, actually, I, uh, I, on result one. I mean, that's the, that's the, you know, answer. And I think that's, I think that's telling. I think that there's some level on which we want to know that we can run and gun with Kansas city, but that's where I diverge because there is a part of me that wants to pick the shootout loss second. And that is because I feel like what I haven't seen yet against Kansas City from Buffalo is the ability to score and the ability to keep up with them. And obviously on on a realistic level, like, you know, you would choose the two wins first. And I think you guys are, are not wrong to choose their first two wins first. But there's an emotional part of me that wants to see them score with Kansas City. And if they don't get it this time, that for me gives me the bigger confidence going forward and saying, okay, you know what? Like it just came down to who had the ball last or maybe who had home field advantage. And, you know, so let's make sure that we're playing in Buffalo this time around because that might be all the difference that's necessary. Um, the, the 16 to 15 loss um, bothers me the most because I think that it's that wasted opportunity of defense. I, I, I don't think that's replicable for the Kansas City offense, I don't think you're really going to be able to do that choice to them. So that's the flukiest one to me. And then probably third, I would put the fluky win because at least then you're you're getting the win. Um, and I'm not 100% sold on two and three being in that order. But I feel like for the sake to highlight kind of what I was thinking about this game, I think that's important for me to put them that way. Because I, I, I do think that there is a, a, there's a level on which, I don't know, I kind of am more interested in seeing them able to score than they I am in seeing them smother Kansas City and sort of eke one out on accident. Um, but that will be um, a good topic to flesh out more after we do this in Bill's headlines. We are not going to do the second quarter preview because there are 17 games this year. Um, and we're going to have to either do five in one season or I realized we could just do one this week, given the importance of the Kansas City game and focus entirely on that. And then we can we could um, do the second quarter preview next week after the Kansas City game. Um, so, Paul, if you're up for it, we would like to play some headline guessing. Unless you know what, if either of you, especially Scott, might want to smack me around a little, you're please please do and let you know for picking a, a lost second. No, please continue. Okay. <laughs> All no, right. False. That is All right, then this ain't Bill's headline. All right, this is October 4th. Uh, at a future date, there may be a guest appearance from Bills and Beers uh, on this segment. I will be in the, the guessing chair, so we'll sort that out with them through Twitter direct message in the uh, nearest future. 
Until then, I remain your host, and we will go back to 2020. Bills activate blank. He is eligible for Vegas on Sunday. The Bills signed the ninth-year player to a one-year contract in March after blank was released by Washington. Bakari Rambo. No, 2020, so very recent. 32-year-old blank. Josh Norman. Josh Norman. There Josh Norman. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I was thinking like 2018 or 17. That's all right. Okay. Tw- speaking of 2018, here's a 2018 headline. Wide receiver blank signs with Bills. The now 29-year-old was, once upon a time, a star dual-threat quarterback at Ohio State, where he passed for 6,177 yards with 57 TDs and rushing. Oh, yeah. 2,164. Pryor. Pryor, Pryor. thank Good you. Good job, Scott. All right. 2016, this is a, a headline in reference to a video clip. Watch blank react to score in Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots game. Blank went through a wide variety of emotions in the short clip. He seemed confused upon hearing the 16-0 score, and that quickly turns into disbelief upon his you're kidding me statement. It only gets worse for Blank when he finds out that the game is in the fourth quarter. The disbelief turns to disgust when Blank utters Rex Ryan's name and ends with him uttering some profanity, which I believe was fucking Rex Ryan, if I remember correctly. Now, a lot of people have said that. Um, yes. So this is obviously the Jacoby Brissett game where they win. the Jacoby Brissett game. It's the Bills yeah. And but who would be surprised by that? It was, I'll give the context, is the celebrity on site of a, doing the interview rounds to plug a movie uh, that this celebrity is in. And so the celebrity was unable to access the score for the game and asked a reporter that came in there. She knew the score of the game and she said the score and what quarter it was and then uh, I'll guess Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Think Mark Wahlberg Boston. is an amazing guess because that is a Boston person. That is not correct. So Scott will give you a guess, but I will let you know Frank is very much on the right track here. So I'll, I'll just I'll just continue down the road and I'll say Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, very good. There you Assist go. Frank. All right, this one should be easy, but it's tougher because I'm not sure I would get this one either. Uh, 2013, punter blank released by Bills. The second-year punter struggled in each of his past two games uh, as, kick it, as kicking with consistency proved to be an issue for him. In the last two games, he was erratic. Uh, he punted 16 times but had a subpar net average of just 30 yards. Okay, what year is this again? 2013, says he. Joined okay, the Bills so this- as an undrafted free agent out of FSU in 2012, partway through the season after the Bills released Brian Norman. So Colton Schmidt. No, that is the guy who was right after. So after they cut this guy, they brought Brian Mormon back. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And then they brought in Colton Schmidt after that. Was there a guy, Jordan Gang? No, No, he was was a kickoff specialist. He was the kickoff specialist, right. Um, He played one more game with the Bengals, punted, uh, had a 10-yard punt, and then that was it for his NFL career. Yeah, that seems like the end of an NFL career after the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A ten yard punt. Oh god. Uh, how do you how do you even do that? Like how do you even get on the team if you're gonna you know what I'm saying? Like if you're a punter, like presumably you can kick the ball like many tens of yards. So I don't I know. Mean, it's like, it's like, the side of his foot, I would guess. Like, 
it's like Seth McFarland was like, oh no, I can punt. Yeah, let, let me <laughs> on the team. I got it. And yeah, gosh, yeah, I, I remember I, say, I remember them putting more me. I'm glad. Sorry, I would say Lawrence Fishburne. That's, oh, yeah, okay. good, good, good Very guess. Nice guess the there was a superhero named Darkhawk who has the same last name. If that helps, Frank. If not, I'm just going to give you the answer. Oh. Uh, no, I can't think of Dark Hawk's uh, name. I don't know him either. I just Googled it. Sean Powell was the guy. Powell. Right. Okay, I'll buy that. All right. Yeah. Now <laughs> we, enter a stretch, we enter a stretch now of four headlines where the year of the headline does not relate to the player. And you'll see what I mean. Like, they offer the player's past. So don't worry okay. about the year as much as the headline. 2011, former Bill Blank to speak at concussion seminar. Former Buffalo Bills safety blank will be on hand to talk about his personal experience with concussions as well as the gazoo, a protective cap, which he made famous Mark in the Kelso. early 1990s. Mark Kelso. Good job. Yeah. 2003. Blank to sign today for Jumbo Gate. New Pro Football Hall of Famer Blank will be promoting Jumbo Gate, Western New York's largest tailgate party. Blank will appear at Basil Chevrolet on Transit Road and meet and greet fans and sign autographs from 11 to 2. Oh, was that Bruce? Nope. I will give you a, a hint before I give a big hint. Uh, while he was inducting the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2003, he played for the Bills. He was much past five years retired. Okay. He was an eight-time All-Pro guard. Oh, um, Reuben Brown? Nope, nope. Before that, we're looking at a member of the electric company. Oh, Joe DeLamelier. Joe DeLamelier. Good job, Frank. <laughs> you guys go. are a good team today. Uh, all right. 2002, ah. Blank to join Bill's Wall of Fame Sunday. Blank was unique, said Marv Levy. First of all, he was maybe the single person involved in the success of our team who has been least recognized for what he contributed. Now being put up on the Wall of Fame is tremendously gratifying because it is recognition quick question did he explode all over the the, the wall of fame? <laughs> it was not the explosive bill of whom you are no. thinking but it is so someone similarly understated okay tasker no that was, that's that was the explosion oh, that, um no, was it was it bill polian it was not your offensive side of the ball if that helps okay kent hall kent hall very good there you go. Another headline of his from today in 1986 about him going back to New York, but I thought this one was a better tribute to the late, great Kent Hall. 1995, I'm fairly certain you guys will get this uh, 26-year-old headline. Uh, this was from the Daily Times in San Fernando Valley, California, but there were also similar headlines uh, in, in a number of other newspapers. Blank found not guilty. O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Last one, guys. 40 years ago today, 1981, Blank has a big day in win. Any fears that Blank was going to fall victim to the sophomore jinx now appear groundless, saddled with a mediocre 3.3-yard rushing average and a long gain of just 14 yards following the first four games of his second NFL campaign, Blank broke loose for 159s on 17 carries to lead the Bills to a 23-17 win over the Baltimore Colts. I don't know if it was my best game to the halfback, 1980s AFC Rookie of the Year and Pro Bowl starter after rushing for 1,185 yards. 
I had some mistakes you guys probably couldn't see, but I have to say it was one of my better games. I'm guessing that should be Joe Cribbs. Joe Cribbs, yes. The Bills' fourth all-time leading rusher behind Thurman, OJ, and Freddie, about 600 yards ahead of Travis Henry and Shady. Joe Cribbs, except for the Sean Powell hiccup. Excellent job, guys, on your knowledge of Bills' headlines from October 4th. Thank you, and I I, I only consider it a hiccup if you're a punter who kicked. (laughs) You don't deserve to be remembered, Sean Powell. No, that's tough. I do remember Sean Powell now. I remember. I mean, I, I remember that name. That that brings up that era of futility. Um, okay, we are slightly over an hour, which is good because we're just gonna get right into the Kansas City game here. Kansas City gives up many, many points, and then um, about half the time they score more points than they give up so far. Um, so there's been some frustration with the points giving up. There's been some excitement about the points scoring. Um, they are, you know, one screwed up punt away from being another loss handed to them. You know, they did handle the Chiefs ultimately, you know, uh, in this game, but they scored and gave up a lot of points. So I'm going to turn to Paul first because he's probably tired of talking and we'll just <laughs> let him kind of rest his throat here. Um, give us your quick thoughts on the game and your prediction um, for Bill's Chiefs Sunday night football. Great. So Paul is tired of talking, so he's going to. Yeah, I'm just gonna get. I'm gonna get him out. We're gonna, you know. So it's all out of the way. So I just, it's like when you're in the sprint, you're already running. Just finish with that one last leg. So I will do yeah. that. Uh, Kansas City three point favorite here. Uh, this is an impossible game to predict the way these have worked out in the past. Uh, will Milano play? We don't know. Will the Bills defense actually be able to stop them? We don't know. Will the offense get its head on its ass against Kansas City, which I've had issues doing in the past? All unknowns. All also very difficult to predict. So I will say that this is going to be a very uneducated pick for me. I'm going to go by how well the offense has played. I do not think it will be a shootout win, nor do I think it will be that super close fluke 16-15 win. I'm going to go right in the middle and say this is a 27-25 victory for Buffalo. Oh, wow. Get the All right. Off the bat. Scott, where is your where is your Simeon in relation to Buffalo's back? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, so the the Chiefs have given up between I think around like twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, thirty two, somewhere in there. I had it up a second ago. Uh, points a game. Uh, yeah, so they scored. Uh, they gave up twenty nine, gave up thirty six, gave up thirty, gave up thirty. So it seems like they're they're giving up. 30 points a game to offenses that are not uh, not quite as good. Obviously, L.A.'s uh, Chargers have a good offense. Ravens, much different audience, uh, offense. Cleveland's got an okay offense. Philly, kind of a little more... Uh, a little softer. A little softer. So, I think the Bills can get to 32-33. The Chiefs have obviously been scoring at a pretty decent clip as well. 33... 35, 24, and 42. I think the Bills, I think they can slow them down just enough to get out of here with a win. It's tough because it's in KC with Milano out, likely. I I don't know. It's tough. Um, I'm going to just, I'll just, I'll, <laughs> I'll split the baby. I'll say a 31-all tie. There, I called it. <laughs> 
Yes. We almost got one of those this week with the Jets and uh, Vikings. If the, if the Vikings or uh, the Jets play, the Titans. If the Titans had just made that field goal at the end, we'd be having talking our tie right now. Uh, I think the Bills win forty-four to thirty. I think that. Uh, I don't think that for any reason other than I want to believe it. Um, yeah. I mean, Buffalo's been scoring points. There's not a very good defense come into town. Uh, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I, obviously the caveat is this game could go a million different ways. The Kansas City defense could decide to play with a little freaking pride for once, and Buffalo could be, you know, uh, thinking it's a bit too easy and it won't happen that way. But I don't know. I kind of I kind of think with, with Dawson Knox kind of emerging, I think uh, – they're going to maybe pay attention to him a little bit more. And I really think that a guy like Cole Beasley or, um, or Stefan Diggs might go off. I think that, you know, Josh Allen is ready to have his game. And so let's have it. And I think that you could definitely get plus 40 um, on a team. If you get a turnover or something that could happen. Um, and why not predict it? I don't know. I, I think that the, 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 the guys will be ready. I think that they've been. I think that they've been planning for this football game, despite taking it one week at a time. I think they've been planning for this football game since the AFC Championship game last year, and um, they'll be ready to to rock and roll. And I think that they will, um, you know, not completely dominate the Chiefs, but I think that they will. I think they will win. I think they will show them who the new cream of the crop is in the AFC. And if you disagree with that, you can let me know MNY Bills and Paul will tell me because he's usually in charge of that. <laughs> um, and we are not updating Facebook anymore. So if you go to Facebook, just burn it, provided you can even log in anymore. Um, so <laughs> MNY Bills. Uh, you can Twitter. go to Facebook, tell us how. Yeah, right. BBillsMNY uh, at gmail.com. I guess I could give that out. But mostly let us know on Twitter. Find us on the places where you subscribe to the podcast and let your friends know. And thank you very much for listening. We hope you have a nice week. Uh, and we will talk to you um, sometime next week after uh, Scott gets back from across the big river. He's going to go across. Until then, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.